everyone, this is Klaatu. Quick intro. This episode has a couple of little sound glitches in it that I wasn't able to fix after the fact because I, I didn't hear about the glitches uh, until some very kind listeners told me about them. Thank you, Pokey, Taj, and Cobra 2. So I went back and looked for the source files, but I'd already gotten rid of the source files for this particular episode. I usually keep about the, the latest three episodes, and I didn't hear about this until uh, 25, and this is episode 20, so the episode, the source files were gone. So I, I've gone in and corrected a couple of things, so just kind of stick with the first minute, and after that the, the sound normalizes. Thanks for listening! down to, I think, primarily two things. One is that if a developer wants to target Linux, right, they're writing something and they they see Linux and they say, why not release for Linux? I don't want the barrier to be, well, in order to package for Linux, you have to be on the in-crowd. You have to, I mean, I, I know there's no, technically, there's no in-crowd, it's open source, but you, you have to sign up for Linux, you know, you kind of have to, you have to really investigate Linux to understand all of the different packaging options. And and there are just too many, right? I mean, there's RPM, there's dev, there's everything. And and that's a problem, I think. That is a potential barrier to entry for people. Not 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 literally, just technically. It's difficult to, to understand what the best way to go about to packaging something for Linux is. And there's that doesn't serve anyone well. That doesn't do us any favors, and it doesn't do developers any favors. Uh, it just... It, it's bad business for everyone. It, 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 in the, I think in the, I guess in the, almost the, I, I don't know what case it would be. I was going to say the worst case, and then I was like, well, no, it's the best case. Well, I don't know what it is. In some case, there's a developer who says, okay, I'm going to package for Linux, and they package for Linux, they do it once, and then they walk away from that package forever because they, they, they can't stand not understanding how to keep up with Linux. And that's happened a couple of times. So don't want that to happen. And then secondly, what happens when you don't have a network? Everyone in in the Linux world just loves to think and assume that everyone's always online no matter what, and I just think that's a ridiculous assumption. And that's one reason I'm really a fond, uh, I'm really fond of Slackware. It's because you your your distribution, your install disk, is the repository. And I realize that that means you have no extra repository. And I admit, yes, the extra repository is networked. But at least the the base system, the thing that that's the that the distribution supports, can be held in your hand, and I really like that. And I've been in several situations where I thought, okay, I need to install something, and wouldn't you know, I can't install something because I don't have a copy of that thing. All I know is that the parts of that thing exist somewhere on the internet, and if I had an internet connection, it would be super easy to get that with a yum install whatever but I don't have the network because I'm at a community center with with no internet connection or I'm at a school where uh, in order to get online it would take like 48 hours of waiting for the IT department to give me access to the network or whatever so it it has happened I like app images because they are sneaker and nettable 
and they're easy and to target lots of distros. You can point at one thing and say package it that way, and everyone else, and at, you know, 90% of your target is going to be able to run it. That's important. It's really, really important. So I like app images. Having said all of that, app image recently changed their their spec. Uh, app images version 2.0 are based on Squash FS, and Squash FS is very popular. It was it's it's in use I think or it was in use at least with Slacks the last time that I checked in with Slacks which was before they went and started basing themselves off of Debian um, but it's a very popular format I heard a lot about it early on lots of people like it it's supposed to be very impressive I don't know that much about it so I I'm not necessarily impressed or not impressed I just don't know anything about it but uh, it's fine it's it's a thing so Squash uh, FS is the new basis. App images used to be based on, they used to just be ISO image, or uh, an ISO file. Like, that's what they were. So you kind of treated them as a DVD or a CD. That's how they got treated, which I thought was pretty slick. For whatever reason, people said that that wasn't the best way to go, I guess, and, and AppImage has shifted over to SquashFS. And I'm sure there are lots of advantages to that. I don't know what they are, uh, but that means that I have to figure out some new stuff to get back up to speed on app images, and I simply do not have the time. I didn't realize that until a couple of weekends ago. I was gonna, I was gonna sit down, and I, I said to myself, I'm gonna dedicate this afternoon to packaging, packaging this one little Python application that that is being used at some local schools. I'm gonna package it into an app image, the updated version. And app image has shifted, I, I guess, so so greatly that I'm just not. Um, it's not working out for me. My old packaging tricks um, just aren't are not a, applicable for for whatever reason. It's probably something silly that I'm doing wrong, but it's not working for me right now. So I'm going to put that on the back burner because I have to. I don't have time to uh, to learn, you know, to 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 read up on on the new spec and to figure out what the new the new way of doing things are. So instead, this episode I'm going to talk about Flatpak. Flatpak solves none of the issues that I've talked about. No, that's not true. Sorry, sorry. It does not. It does not solve the local no network kind of install uh, use case. So if you're sitting down at a computer and you think, "Oh my gosh, I need GIMP. I need GIMP 2.10 right now." Uh, I can't be bothered with g g grabbing it from the internet for whatever reason, but I, I know I do have a copy of it on this thumb drive. Let me just install. That's not Flatpak. That's not going to work for you. But if there's a developer out there who says, hey, I want to target that Linux thing, what would be the most efficient way for me to do that? Understand, I don't have that much time. I'm a freelancer. I'm doing whatever. But I want to target Linux. Point me to the one place I can go to create a Linux package that will that will get all of your all of your Linux boxes. You know, the, the proverbial like Windows XP experience, right? Like for for such a long time and probably by the time you you know, you, we're, we're, we're thinking about it now. If you're new to, to computing, you, this probably won't mean anything to you. Or maybe it will, I don't know. But XP used to be, like, this big thing. I mean, it, it was alive for, like, what, a decade and a half or something? And you could target, from what I've heard, like, XP, and it would just magically work on everything. Now, I have no idea if that's true, but that that's the reputation that I've had of, or that I've heard about XP. It's just, it was it was everywhere, I mean, up until very recently, I feel like it was still everywhere. For all I know, it may still be everywhere. Um, but you could target it, and it would just, it would just, you're just hitting like, you know, 90% of all the users of Windows could just install your stupid thing. 
and and that was big and exciting for for a lazy developer. And and Linux should be friendly to lazy developers too. I mean, you don't want people to come to your platform and think, "Wow, so if I release an RPM, I'm going to hit maybe possibly 33% of your audience, so then I'll also have to come up with a .deb and then I'll hit maybe another 33% and then I have to do another sort of eight different things to hit that last 33%, like forget it. So Flatpak solves that problem, I think, in theory. Now, the reason it hit, hits that is because it's, it's, a, it's a platform. It's kind of a basket for your applications. And you throw your application into it, and you say, hey, Flatpak, you figure out what, what version of Linux essentially, needs to be present for me to run this application. And I, maybe I'm over, oversimplifying a little bit, but the idea is that if you're on, let's say, Fedora, then you can install Flatpak, and then you can go into Flatpak and pull down some application that lives on, uh, what, what do they call it, Flathub or something like that, Flatpak Hub or Pack Hub or something, something fancy with the word hub in it because everyone likes hub now. So you pull down an application from the hub, and Flatpak looks at that application and sort of figures out what dependencies it requires, and it pulls in those dependencies, also from the hub, into this local Flatpak environment. Now, that's independent of the rest of your system. Now, I mean, it'll pull from the rest of your system as needed. So if you have libpng version 12, no, 16, and yeah, who cares, 16 installed, uh, then and it needs libpng 16, then it, it, it'll use that from your system, no problem. It doesn't have to reinstall, like, everything. But for things that you don't have, it will make up for within this flat pack environment. I'm a little bit fuzzy on the specifications of how it determines that and what it will and won't load and stuff like that, but but that's the the general idea. So the advantage is obvious. If if someone throws something on the hub, the flat hub, whatever it's called, yeah, flat hub, I think, uh, then then anyone who installs the the flat pack runtime, as it were, can can install that application inside the the safe space of Flatpak, and it will run. And how exciting is that? It's pretty exciting in theory. So let me let me give you an example because this is um, it's worth talking about. I think this is definitely worth talking about. It's it's kind of cool. Um, so if I do an LDD of user bin GIMP, for instance, I have a pretty long list of things. 72 shared objects come back from from an LDD on on GIMP. It's it's a big application. It it needs things. It needs lots of things to to work, and that's fine. Just today, as of the recording of this episode, which is weeks before you'll actually hear it, but just today, the GIMP project re- released 2.10, which it, which has been hotly anticipated for quite some time. It's been in the works for ages. I don't know how long 2.8 has been around. 2.9 kind of came and went. I mean, it was there, but I don't think they ever really announced it. Maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe I missed it. I feel like 2.8 and then 2.9 was just kind of development, and then 2.10 finally hit, and that's really exciting. But maybe you don't have access to do 2.10 yet because of various reasons. Maybe you're on a distribution that's slow to update, like Debian or Slackware. Or maybe you are on a system that just hasn't gotten around to packaging 2.10 yet. It happens. Or maybe you're on a system where upgrading to 2.10 may be complex. Because, yeah, I'm on Slackware, and if I compile, if I were to try to compile 2.10 right now, 
I'm betting that there would be quite a few things that I would be expected to upgrade. And that's a lot of work. It, re- it just is. On Slackware, that, that sort of thing is a lot of work. It's not impossible. I mean, you can you can pull the things, you know, you can get your list of dependencies and then compile those dependencies against your current glibc and maybe put it into some directory, you know, so that it's isolated from the rest of your system and then compile GIMP. You know, you could you can work it however you need to work it. It's it's not at all impossible, but but it is work. And so if you want the 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 experience of saying, "Oh, there's a new fancy shiny toy. Let me just grab that and play around with it." then then that's not that experience. So that is one thing that AppImage, for instance, does solve. Like, oh, shiny new toy, let me download really quickly, launch it, and play around with it and see what, what it's like. AppImage is great for that. Well, as it turns out, so is Flathub. So so I'm going to do a sport cat, um, yeah, cat flat hub here. No, I'm not. Um, I'm going to do a cat flat pack, sorry. Um, so the requirements for Flatpak on Slackware are bubble wrap, OS tree, appstream-glib, json-glib, and libseccomp. Okay, so I'm going to look at what libseccomp is, and it tells me that libseccomp library provides an easy-to-use platform-independent interface to the Linux kernel's syscall filtering mechanism. Okay, well, that sounds good. Not really sure what any of that means, but that's fine, so we'll do a cat of json glib um, readme. json glib is a library providing serialization and deserialization support for javascript object notation json format. Yep, that's not surprising. Sounds like what it would be. appstream glib does the same thing for appstream stuff. Uh, let's do, let's find out what bubble wrap is. Bubble wrap is a, a mini container runtime tools like systemd, inspawn, docker, etc focus on providing infrastructure for system administrators and orchestration tools to run containers. These tools are not suitable to give an un- to, to unprivileged users because it is trivial to turn such access into a fully privileged root shell on the host. So Bubblewrap protects against, um, or, or get, provides access to containerized things to, privilege, to, um, to non-privileged users, to unprivileged users. So that's interesting. And then I think, what, what else was there? There were a couple of other things, I think, just for making, for make systems and stuff. Um, yeah, everything else is kind of less interesting. Okay, so I'll, I'll skip those. But the, 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 the one to keep in mind, I think, is bubble wrap, because that was, that was one I hadn't heard of, and it kind of betrays a little bit of what, what's really going on with Flatpak. So I'm going to do a, a sport install of Flatpak here, and that compiles. While that's compiling, I'm going to whisk over here to, dot, uh, to, to gimp.org, and I'm going to grab, I'm going to go to the downloads link, and I'm going to go to, oh, it automatically detects that I'm on Linux. That's kind of handy. And it says that I can install gimp 2.10 with um, Flatpak. And it gives me a command. There's a button here. I've never actually tried that button. I've done this on two different computers now. I didn't actually bother clicking the install with a Flatpak button. I guess I could just click it now for kicks. Okay, it gives me like a file. That's kind of cool. org.gimp.gimp.flatpakref. So that's just kind of a little um, install file. The other way to do this, which is how I did it on the other, on the computers that I was first trying this on, is to just issue a command. Let me see if the Flatpak install is done yet. Yes, it is. Okay. So um, you can do a Flatpak install and then paste in the the URL of that Flatpak ref file, which happens to be https. Uh, dot, or colon slash slash 
flathub.org slash repo slash appstream slash org.gimp.gimp.flatpackref. So if I do a flatpack install of that, then it begins the install of, of the GIMP package. Now, before installing GIMP, it detects, as I as I predicted it would, uh, that there's some stuff that it needs to run. And so this one is some kind of compatibility layer tied to GNOME, uh, and it asks me if I, it's okay to, to install that. Annoyingly, there doesn't seem to be a way to do an like an auto yes uh, feature, you know, where where you just tell it say yes to all questions. It doesn't appear to be to have that functionality built into the Flatpak command. I've even tried doing like a yes pipe flatpak install path and it doesn't it doesn't recognize that as a yes. I've even tried yes space y pipe into it. Does not does not appear to, to recognize that. I guess I could write some kind of expect script, but anyway. So it doesn't appear to support really un, uh, unattended installs, which is super annoying, but maybe I'm just missing the, the function. Or maybe it's something that's on the way. I mean, this is still pretty new. So uh, once it's installed, I can just issue, I think as a normal user, if I'm, if I'm correct, I can do a flat pack list. And that tells me what, what um, I guess they're called, what are they called? I forget what they're called environments or something or i guess references but um, that seems like an odd an odd thing to call them um list installed apps or runtimes runtimes was the word that i was thinking of so i can do a flat pack dash dash help to get what i was just looking at but flash pack uh, flat, flat pack in uh, list rather uh, and it tells me the runtimes i guess that i or the apps the apps and runtimes that i have installed so the the way that it lists it is a little bit um I don't know, I would um, maybe unfamiliar, possibly. So, I mean, it's familiar, but unfamiliar. So it's, um, I keep wanting to say, like, it's not very user-friendly, but I hate that. That's almost a buzzword at this point, or, or it's not very, not very, I don't know. It's not something that you'd expect, I guess. Like, I, I thought, okay, flat pack list. It'll tell me what I have installed, like, you know, GIMP, and I guess GNOME compatibility layer, something like that, you know, like, Human readable. I mean, all of this is human readable, but you know what I mean, like recognizable names. But what it actually gives you is like, okay, ref org.gimp.gimp slash x86 underscore 64 slash stable options system comma current. I'm sure that all of this information is very useful. I just don't know enough about it to really understand like why it's telling me all this. org.freedesktop.platform.ffmpeg slash x86 64 1.6. So that's an interesting case in point, too, because... So I do actually have FFmpeg installed. Jeez, I hope I do. I mean, if I don't, then I don't know what I've been doing with my life. Yes, I do. Um, and so I, I do have that installed, and yet it pulled in its own version of FFmpeg. So that's a little bit weird to me. But it's also just, just fine, because if, if that, that FFmpeg is going to be just with this, I guess, GIMP, um, then, then, then it's all kind of packaged up kind of nicely and neatly and it exists all on its own and that's fine and it's it's labeled as a system comma runtime and then the third one that got installed is org.gnome.platform slash x8664 3.28 and that is labeled as a system comma runtime as well so how do i get to this version of gimp because if i just type in gimp or, or i won't type it in because then it'll launch the application i don't want to wait for that so i'll just do which gimp and that just sh shows me well it's user bin gimp which if if i do an ls dash l on user bin dash gimp i see that it points to gimp.2.8 so how do i get to the flat pack gimp well for that i do a flat pack flat pack run gimp that doesn't work okay well remember 
Flatpak list lists everything as these weird kind of uh, backwards LDAP entries, or well, backwards URLs, I guess is what they would look like to people. They're L, I guess they're LDAP sort of entries, really, or .gimp, and then .gimp, I guess, is the name of the, the application. I don't know. So Flatpak run org .gimp .gimp all in capitals. And then that launches the um, the launch the, the splash screen of GIMP, and it's loading all the plugins, and it appears to be working pretty much just as one would expect it to. Lots of plugins, and there we go. There's the the new window, the new two 2.10 GIMP window, and it actually it it appears, and I could be wrong about this, but it appears to be. I swear it's picking up my my local user preferences uh, for GIMP. I could I could be wrong, but I have the uh, the minimum like the small interface preference uh, and that is what it is showing me which I didn't to say nothing of of it being the dark interface the dark theme so between that and the fact that the icons are on the small the small set I, I kind of wonder if it's actually even looking at my local preferences which would I mean that would make sense um, I just didn't really exactly notice that on the previous the previous launch I don't know I would I would have to um, play around with that to find out for sure but but there you go that's the um that's the way that this is working and it works quite well i would argue it's um it, it just acts like a normal application as one might expect so you know i can open things and it'll take me straight to my to my home directory rather than to you know some some weird you know slash temp or something like that it, like it, it has an awareness of the system upon which it is running uh, and yeah, it's it's kind of neat, neat, really. It's it's really smooth. Now, I mean, using this directly like this isn't isn't the most smooth experience because now, of course, I would have to. Uh, it's left up to me to integrate this with my system. Like, user share applications has no awareness of of the fact that Flatpak um, really exists or that a, a GIMP version exists within Flatpak. There's there's no sense of, of integration here. Now I have used Flatpak. I, I tried it also on my Fedora machine, and that was a I would say a smoother experience. It was kind of more integrated into everything, and it it plopped something into some directory. Probably my dot local uh, slash share slash applications or whatever it is, where it's like that the sort of your local version of user share applications. So you can have your custom desktop files there. That's probably what it did. And and this does not have any integration like that. This Flatpak is compiled from source, and I'm using it directly from you know within a terminal. Although that's what I did in Fedora as well. But this might be an older version. I don't know. But so point being, I have seen a more more integration occurring, uh, and that's fine. I don't really mind either way. Um, I do think that it's a pretty slick system. I, I can't say that I that that I I don't know. I think this is a really important and significant step forward for Linux. I think that I, I, I'm i all about RPM. I think it's a pretty nifty format. It, it's got a lot of, it's got a healthy tool chain, you know, the RPM build dev, the RPM dev system, whatever, where you've got the RPM build folder and you got RPM lint and lots and lots of different macros to, to throw in there so you don't have to really script that much. I mean, that's cool. That's really neat. And RPM is well supported, and, and that's really neat too. But it's not the only one in town. And if we have something as a community that we can say, hey, look, you want to target Linux, the smart thing to do is to 
just throw something up on Flathub. And and that that will enable almost all Linux users with a, a traditional workstation and, and then some uh, to pull down your application onto their system and and experience your application. I mean, that's fantastic. That's what we want. That is exactly what we want. We want a one-stop shop for both developers and users. And I, I realize that when I say one-stop shop for users in the Linux world, that almost has no meaning. I mean, there is no one-stop shop for users because half of the users don't want the one-stop shop. And that's fine. I'm one of those users. I use Slackware. I'm not really that interested in finding maybe the the, the the default, you know, sort of like you do all the thinking for me kind of solution. Personally, not on my system anyway. Um, that being said, there's a place for it for for and for even for me, I mean, if I could now start using 2.10, whereas I think if this had been two years ago or maybe a year ago, I'd, I don't know, I haven't been tracking Flatpak that well. But I mean, if it's if it was before Flatpak, I would probably just wait till the next version of Slackware came out, or until someone like Alien Bob or, or someone who cared enough to to do all the work to map out all the dependencies and figure all that stuff out for me, then maybe I'd do it. But Generally speaking, I would just wait. Um, I mean, and and I would be happy to wait because 2.8 is tried and trusted and true and reliable and stable. So I don't I don't mind waiting. But Flatpak, if you don't want to wait for some feature or if you are just eager to try it or whatever, then then you have that option now. And if you're a user who really truly does not care and who just wants to accept whatever your distribution maintainers or your software maintainers are throwing at you then this is this is brilliant and and of course if you're a user who doesn't care then you don't care if you're using rpms or debs or 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 whatever but by the same token you also don't care if you're just using flatpak so if flatpak gets integrated into linux the way that rpms and debs and all those things are integrated this would be fantastic in other words i would very much like for flatpak to become the system d of package management and by that i mean these days, if you if you find a Linux distribution that is not running on System D, it is considered sort of a niche system. I mean, if you really think about it, Debian and Fedora, Red Hat, CentOS, whatever, are both running System D. Oh, so is OpenSUSE, I think. So you've got a huge chunk of 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 widely used Linux running System D, and that has truly, truly made certain things a lot easier to just say, hey, do this one thing. Now again, you might not be the kind of user who wants that kind of unification. You might want, you might prefer the thing that you're using. Which again, you're talking to someone, you're hearing from someone right now, dear listener, who runs Slackware with no system D. But in the in the sense of, hey, we need to communicate to people how to do some task. Well, if there's a 90% solution or a 90% prescription for how that task is done, then that's super easy to communicate. All you say is set this thing. And and that's from experience. I mean, it honestly is. I've, I've been doing a lot of tutorials lately for uh, Raspberry Pi. And the Pi, you know, has a lot of different distributions that could run on it. And the, the fact that I can write that uh, in order to set LightDM as your display manager and to, to set a, a graphical environment by default, the fact that I can just say type this command, system control set default graphical, system control enable LightDM, I mean that's so easy because now I don't have to say okay so if you're on Debian you need to edit these files or, or, or rather um, mark you know these files uh, executable or whatever. If you're on Fedora you need to do it this way. If you're on some other system do it these other ways. 
It, it's just you, you write two lines or you know you, you write one command and that hits you know ninety percent of of your audience and then you can put in one paragraph for the the last ten percent and and say hey just you know you're the odd man out you're running Slackware you're running Gen two you're running um, something else so just look up the documentation because you're obviously the ten percent smart enough to do that if I may say so myself as I pat myself on the back uh, and if Flatpak came along and did that I think that would be fantastic. Because then we could say, hey, if you want to install this program, type in this command, flatpak install org.foo.bar, and suddenly you have boo, uh, bar from foo installed on your system, and you're good to go. So much better. And, then, and that's not to mention, as I've already said, the developer, where we can say, hey, developer, you want to target Linux, throw something on Flathub, and you have gotten 90% of the Linux users. Those 10% are still going to complain loudly, but frankly, 9% of those 10% are going to be able to actually install Flathub as well, or Flatpak, whatever it's called, uh, because I've just done that on Slackware. Uh, and so really, it's just like one little group who might not like that particular system, who, with whom I sympathize. But I think for the strength of the platform, I think this is important. Flatpak, really, really, really nifty. Very cool. I have no idea from the packaging perspective. I have no idea how it is. I have not tried. And I don't frankly know if I'm ever going if I'm going to try anytime soon. Ever is a big word. Uh, but I, I, I don't really have that much interest in it from from what I do because what I'm what I'm interested in really my use case demands app image more than it demands something like Flatpak. But in terms of, of 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 developing a package, I think I would I would not mind developing Flatpak rather than, for instance, RPM. So uh, yeah, I guess that's 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 what I'm saying. Let RPM and .deb die, and let's start using Flatpak. I think it's a good idea. I really do. Try it out. See if you agree, and uh, if you don't, let me know because I would I would be interesting. I would be interested in hearing the the um the counter arguments to Flatpak. And I know that there's that other thing, Snap. Someone mentioned that to me just today, actually. Uh, and you know, I don't, I don't know much about Snap. I haven't looked at it. I've seen a demo uh, on how to like create a Snap or something. It was pretty easy. Um, and that, yeah, I'd be curious to look at that as well. I just, in terms of Ubuntu technology, after Ubuntu one and after Unity uh, and after their own custom, uh, their Wayland alternative and after their own custom um, system uh, init system that they were going to do. It's just like they've got the they've got this syndrome, you know, and they just keep raising up these technologies and they they pour a lot of energy into it and then it just kind of goes away. So I'm I'm really, really hesitant about even entertaining Snap because I kind of half expect it to go away in three years. So eh, not too sure about it. Flatpak from the GNOME Foundation, I think, uh, are the people driving that They're They've been around for a while. I kind of feel pretty good about them. So I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't use their desktop, but, you know, I feel good about them. So, yeah, I don't know. You know I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about Flatpak if you've tried it. If you've not tried it, then I, I'm less interested in your <laughs> opinion about them because um, you should try it first, really. Um, but I would be interested in hearing it if you've tried it, and, and certainly if you've tried uh, writing a Flatpak yourself, that, or a Flatpak ref, I guess, is what it is, because that, that that's, that's my next thing. I want to look into that. So yeah, that's the episode for this week. Uh, thanks for listening, and try out Flatpak.
for listening to the GNU World Order Og Cast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Ogcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at Klaatu at member.fsf.org. That's Klaatu at member.fsf, as in freesoftwarefoundation.org. And, of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. Human Eye, the shuttle races back and forth.